I'm Sarah Koshansky and welcome to Fintech Insider. Today I'm joined by Shamir Karkul, co-founder of online-only bank Simple. Thank you so much for joining us, Shamir. Could you start off by telling us a little bit about your background? My name is Shamir Karkal, as you guys know. I grew up in South India, in Bangalore, actually, and became a software engineer kind of in the late 90s, early 2000s, and did that for a few years and uh, ended up coming to the U.S. uh, originally for like a six-week visit to launch a project that I was working on. Those six weeks became a year, and I eventually got out of that project by quitting and going to business school at Carnegie Mellon. You know, I, I entered it as a software engineer and, and came out not knowing what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So I went off and became a consultant at McKinsey, the Pittsburgh office, because, you know, Carnegie Mellon is in, in Pittsburgh. And uh, I didn't really know much about the U.S. Uh, at that time. Uh, Pittsburgh loved the city, lived there for a couple of years, and then went to Brussels in Belgium on an internal rotation. And uh, I was actually in Brussels when this uh, classmate of mine from business school, a guy called Josh Reich, uh, he and I had become good friends in business school, did a lot of stuff together. And uh, he went off to work at a startup after Carnegie. And he left that startup and was then working for a hedge fund for a while. And he started asking me all these questions over I think it was Yahoo Messenger, or maybe it was IRC, some chat system that we were using back in 2009. And uh, he just started asking me all these questions about banking. And in my time at McKinsey, my first project was on a strategy project for a bank processor. And I'd done almost exclusively banking stuff, uh, quite a lot of different things within banking. Uh, My last project before I spoke to Josh was like a uh, was a trillion dollar bankruptcy actually of a large uh, bank in Europe. So I'd, I'd kind of seen the whole gamut, but I didn't understand why Josh wanted to understand like why the, the you know the in depth back end of the U.S. Uh, banking system. And then after like a f- few weeks of sort of random co- messenger conversations, he sent me an email saying, "Let's start a retail bank." Uh, and I actually kind of blogged that uh, whole uh, email a few months ago because I think it's, it's quite interesting. And he had laid out this vision of like how banking was broken. Banks weren't really helping customers. They were more trying to profit off customers' mistakes. And, and, and the best way for them to do that was to sort of create confusion. While there was a real need for customers to understand their finances better and, and really control their finances. And you could do that by building a very, very simple bank product which gave customers the ability to do basic transactions outsourced all the more complicated stuff to uh to you know to our third parties who would build other apps and then use the data that it had on customers to actually help them understand their finances and give them actionable advice right and and there was this whole like generation of customers who had grown up on the internet and were using smartphones and were already living on facebook and twitter back then and most banks didn't even have a mobile app so there was there was this growing disconnect between banks and their customers and there was also this this fundamental disconnect between the banking business model in the u.s and what was you know the customer's interest right like uh, those weren't aligned it was to me it's still sort of a very captivating sort of manifesto of of what banking should be like uh and he's so josh sent that email to me and to another guy called jerry newman jerry was an angel investor in New York. He responded to that email before I did. He said, oi, regulation, but it's a great idea. And I felt compelled to respond saying, well, you know, we can always figure out the regulation, but let's understand the idea. I spent more time uh, chatting with Josh, then flew to New York, 
fast forward a few months later, we had quit our jobs and so and found it simple. But and of course, there was a lot more complexity than that. But that's kind of how it all started: a few Yahoo Messenger conversations and an email from Josh. Goodness, I remember Yahoo Messenger. I also remember MSN Messenger. But then I guess that rather shows my age as well. What was your primary motivation for, for getting involved in this? Then, so was it the idea that you could you could help? people better understand their finances was it that you were frustrated with banks or was it just kind of like you know a big meaty problem that you you knew needed to be solved um, or none of the above i'd say more of all of the above right it it started so i i didn't quite get this until kind of i was deeper into simple uh, but josh's uh, thought process uh, started when he gone from working uh, being a business school student to working at a startup to working at a hedge fund and then was running his own business doing sort of data consultancy in new york and at the same time he had gone from being single he'd gotten married he'd bought a house so his financial life had gotten a lot more complicated personally and he he has an undergrad in mathematics and he specialized in accounting in his mba of all things and he's a big data guy right like if you if i like to say that josh is at his happiest when he has like uh, 50 gb of data in a postgres uh, database and and uh, our server set up somewhere to analyze it so for him it was sort of really frustrating to think like i can't figure out my own finances uh, so he he kept trying to do that and got very frustrated and went on twitter and in in the characteristic uh, josh style pretty simple he went on twitter and tweeted can somebody introduce me to the developers at mint because i'd like to punch them in the face <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant and and he probably was not the only one I imagine. If you guys remember Mint was like the thing back in 2009 it had sort of exploded on the scene and you had this promise of uh, helping you understand your finances and it had signed up I don't know a few hundred thousand maybe like a million users uh, and then right right at the end of 09 it got acquired by Intuit right. So the the thing is that Twitter in 2009 was a very small space and because Josh had worked at a startup there were a lot of VCs who followed him and one of them responded to his tweet saying well if you're frustrated with it fix it right like don't curse the darkness light a candle sort of uh, response and so Josh was like oh you know i just made a flippant comment about like my side project and the frustrations i'm having with it uh, and now that somebody like with, with real money is is kind of responding i should so he started thinking about it right like how would i solve this and he was like well clearly banking is broken but 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 why and how oh let me go ask shamir he knows all about banking so i was the closest thing to a banker that josh knew uh, who would answer his questions so that's when he started asking me all those questions and even you know that that brought him to that realization that of kind of how fundamentally broken banking let's say was and still is in the us and uh, and you know that's where it all started from so definitely there was a lot of personal frustration uh for both of us from uh from our banking but i kind of i don't know i think i had um, i probably had a bit of stockholm syndrome with banks back then uh <laughs> like so so josh comes from a long line of doctors and and actually almost he went to medical school in australia for a while before uh before dropping out because he was doing too much programming and then went and did an undergrad in mathematics i like uh, my parents are bankers my grandparents were bankers i spent most of my youth uh, rebelling against becoming a banker by going off to do this new fangled thing called software engineering right so but i kind of 
grew up in the 80s running around uh, currency chests uh, and and you know my, my, i remember my mom showing me how to count large wads of cash when i was like 8 years old or something so kind of i had a lot more familiarity with banking and so i kind of just assumed that this is how it always works right and until josh started kind of like questioning me and i was like well you know yeah that guys that is kind of fucked up right like why do banks make so much money from fees when customers fail uh it's not like they charge customers for a service it's like they charge customers for a service that customers don't want and 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 hate paying so that kind of you know that that thought process uh, brought me to a realization of like how screwed up banking was as the experience of banking was for for so many customers and uh, and that was kind of the the motivation for us right like it was the, this combination of like this deep familiarity with banking and also this deep frustration both at a personal level but also the understanding that it was a very large and shared frustration it wasn't just i hated my bank it was like really all of us hate our banks so that idea to combine if you like the most basic features of a bank which you know you, you are laid out in that blog and 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 which is based on Josh's original email along with the idea of tools that help people better manage their money so actually sort of take control of their money that was there from the start right you you thought you were going to merge these two things together it wasn't something that came later on oh no yeah that was the that was always there from the start and and uh, and this goes back to like the the kind of the mint discussion right like it's not that mints developers uh, suck uh, this is what josh learned and you know that's what i kind of always knew um it's just that banks back then and even today don't give customers access to data easily right like you can go to a bank website and log in and see your statements or or whatever but getting that in, in a sort of data rich technical format where you can plug it into a computer program is is really hard and the way that mint and intuit and everybody back then and even most people now solve it is by doing this thing called screen scraping where they you write large web crawlers which go and log into the bank on your behalf using your username and password scrape all the html data and then try to analyze it and and, and make sense of it but it's poor quality data that you get that way and it's very hard to analyze it and and really give you a clear picture of your finances for example when i transfer money from my checking account at bank x to my saving account at saving account at bank y mint back then and i think even now uh, would show that as expenditure and uh, you know $1000 of expenditure and $1000 of income i'm like no i that's that's not expenditure and income that's just a transfer you know it's 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 going from my left pocket to my right pocket or vice versa and so but the thing is there's no way to do double entry bookkeeping when you're when the fundamental data between bank x and bank y is is so screwed up right the problem then is if you try to apply heuristics you you can only get like maybe 95% accurate you can never be 100% accurate with with that quality of data and 95% accurate isn't isn't really good enough when it comes to money right like if i'm if i'm going to make a recommendation that you should do x or you should do y based on your finances I can't say 95% of the time X will work out but you know you might end up going bankrupt 5% of the time that's not a solution people need like high quality advice and uh, and and you can't really do that I think with like a mint like solution the other problem with like a pfm apps in general is that they're all sort of toothless they they give you advice but they require a large amount of work from your part on your part to 
to keep logging in, to keep all those, you know, those screen scraping connections working because they keep breaking all the time, to clean up the data and, and reconcile all these like errors in it, and then get some actionable recommendations, which you then have to go and do. We were like, no, the best way to do it is not to, to, to tell customers what to do, it's to do it for them. Once you're certain that this is the right thing to do, do it and then give them the ability to unwind it later on if it turns out to not have been a good thing to do. And sort of building in financial tools into your core finances is the best way, I think, of managing your core finances is to automate them and and make them uh, as straightforward as possible rather than sort of have to do any sort of like weekly or monthly routine of trying to catch up and and, and do personal accounting. That's our, our... you know, for our lived experience at Simple is like there's maybe 10% of the population whom I think of as, as accountants, but they actually have the diligence and the drive and, and they almost seem to enjoy like going through their finances and understanding where they spent money, what they spent it on, and then planning what they're going to do in the future. The rest of us just want to live our lives and, and we don't want to be bothered by looking at, at spreadsheets or at interfaces that look like spreadsheets, right? We just want to be told, hey, can I afford this? What do I need to do to afford this? Uh, and, and that sort of like actionable in the moment advice can only be, it's, it's hard for PFMs that are divorced from uh, your core transactional account to be able to do that. So that, um, so, you know, the screen scraping you've just described, and I, I, I can't believe people still do it, but, but they do. How did the tools that, that Simple provides sort of evolve, if you like? Because I, I guess um, that you start small and work your way up. And, and, you know, now some of Simple's tools, I'm thinking particularly of sort of the, the goals uh, and the savings goals are, are you know, incredibly um, lauded among the industry. So how did that evolution come about? You know, where did you start and and how did you how did you agree that you were going to iterate as well? Because banks are not known for their willingness or ability to 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 launch something, tweak it, you know, tweak it, tweak it, tweak it. They launch it, it doesn't work, it goes away. So was you know, where did that decision come from? And and, and was that was that difficult for people to get their heads around? Uh nothing in banking is ever easy. Um but what we, when we started by hiring a great group of, uh, of engineers, none of whom had any experience of banking. Uh, and not surprisingly, actually, given that's true for almost everybody, but they were all sort of personally frustrated with their own banks and had never actually thought that anything could be done about that. Right. And, and we're like, yeah, my bank doesn't have a mobile app and it just kind of sucks. But, you know, that's. That part of my life is sucky. It's like my driving experience, which is just that also sucks. But guess what? Uber transformed, at least to a certain extent, that sort of the driving experience for a lot of people. And people have realized that, you know, there's, there's technology can fix a lot more things than maybe we thought 10 years ago. But the, the that group of engineers, you know, Josh and I had a lot of ideas at a lot of ideas. Uh, I, I remember when we brought on Alex Payne to be our third co-founder, uh, he flew to New York. And uh, this was like in spring of 2010. Um, and, you know, there was two of us and Alex came on board. And uh, he flew to New York and we spent two days in Josh's basement in New York talking to him about banking. And he had a background. I mean, he had built the Twitter API platform. He'd written books on programming. He's a very, very good engineer back then and even today. And so he he told me afterwards that it kind of felt like that scene in The Matrix where, you know, uh, Keanu Reeves sits down, they plug him in, and then like two minutes later, he's like, now I know jujitsu, right? He was like, yeah, now I know banking. (laughs) 
we, we, you kind of spent like a lot of time explaining everything from ACH to card processing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we had this list of like 25 features on the, that we wanted in the origin, I think it was 23 features that we wanted in the original simple app. And Alex stood up and looked at those and crossed out, I think 19 and said, okay, these four is what we'll ship with. And to be honest, uh, I think we shipped with three and the fourth that we had on that list, which he wanted to ship with was photo check deposit that actually launched a few months after we shipped because it was so hard to do. And, uh, and yeah, that, that, that list of four things took us two, more than two years from the date of that conversation to, to finish shipping all of that. And as for the remaining 19 things, I think we managed to hit like a couple of the things on the, on that list. Since then, uh, most of it is, is it's probably Josh and I didn't realize that that list of 23 things was probably a lifetime's worth of work to ship within the banking industry. Uh, I think Alex, even with just like two days of understanding, had a much better sort of, you no, know, we, we ship an MVP and then we, uh, we iterate from there. And, and really, it was Alex, that group of engineers and product people that we brought on, you know, who, who really took those uh, ideas that we had. We were like, you know, we should help people save for stuff before they uh, they spend it. And really, the way to do that is to give them savings, specialized savings accounts. I don't know what we called it, but, you know, we, us being like techno nerd geeks, I think that's what we, uh, we, we had something like that uh, on that list. And then... You know, the, the, the engineers and product guys were like, nobody understands what specialized savings accounts are. It just sounds like goals. Let's call, let's call it goals. And we're like, okay, yeah, that works or whatever. You know, the words don't matter. But of course, the words do matter. They matter a lot. You know, going from those high-level visions to sort of actual usable product was 98% of that work was people like Toby Sterrett, uh, Ian Collins, uh, Bill DeRushi back in the day. Brian Merritt, uh, that the team of like uh, that that we built in those early days, and then of course you know, there's, been, there's been hundreds of people now, um, but they built that into sort of things that were really easy to understand for people, and most of it was based on their own experience, right? Like a lot of it was like, yeah, I want something like this. I really need to ship simple uh, so that I can start using it. I really need to ship joint accounts because. Me and my wife both have a simple account and we love it, but it's just we need something in the middle to glue this together. So we need a joint account. And when are we shipping that? So the the for a long period of time for the core simple team, uh, it was a labor of love because we were always our own first customers, and uh, and and that kind of drove it. Now, of course, we also went out and I think we started accepting si- uh, like a sign up list in. February of 2010, we had tens. I think at the end we had like 200,000 people on that list. But for the first 10,000, we actually had individual email conversations with them, and we got so much feedback. So much feedback. I mean, people sat down and wrote us like six, seven-page long emails about everything that they hated about banking, and we printed those out and stuck them on the uh, walls around the around the office, and then we'd go back and like read them in the middle of a product discussion and be like, yes, this I think will solve this person's problem, right? Like if we could build and ship this. And and yeah, it was it was a lot of it was just a lot of work and, and we did so many iterations on it before we shipped it. And then of course we sh- did so many iterations on all of those features since we shipped them. 
Is mind control the tech industry's greatest invention? That's one of the questions the Financial Times FT Weekend is currently asking. Each week, FT Weekend brings together an intelligent mix of news, compelling stories and global lifestyle journalism. To read the article on mind control and a selection of other articles, visit ft.com forward slash open minds. Today, customers are demanding greater value from financial services. They expect more agility, innovation and security than ever before. Most financial institutions are held back by the shackles of closed legacy systems that limit transparency, block innovation and ignore customers' demands. Finastra has a bold vision to unlock the potential of people and business. They've created a platform for open innovation in the world of financial services with FusionFabric.cloud. Their solutions span retail, transaction lending, and treasury and capital markets on-premise and in the cloud. Start your transformation journey today with Finastra. So when I, if I were to ask you, you know, why do you think that, that you guys succeeded where, you know, a large number of other attempts in the, in the PFM space have failed and, you know, fallen by the wayside? Uh, you know, Mint was obviously bought by Intuit, which helped their um, success. But what do you think was, was key to, to your, I suppose, longevity, actually? You know, t- 10 years is or eight years is a very long time in the world of, uh, in the world of fintech. Yeah, on the world of banking, though, it's just a small period of time. So uh, I think the one of the big separators for us was that none of our customers thought of us as a PFM. They always thought of us as a bank. And for them, that was a transformative difference, right? Like we had customers tell us that, I mean, not, not just tell us, they tweeted that, like, you know, the only reason I was able to get married was because of Simple. Uh, because I don't know how I would have saved for a ring. And uh, some of the stuff that people used simple for was very emotional right like we had the goals feature and uh we we obviously analyzed this data and then this usage popped out because somebody tweeted about it actually uh but kind of like this 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 guy had a two thousand dollar savings goal for some random thing and he saved up for it over like a period of six months and then at some point he renamed the goal to ring and then there was like a transaction at a jeweler. And then a few weeks later, there was a transaction at a county courthouse. And attached to the transaction was a photo of a couple holding their marriage certificate, right? And we're like, these people chose to document their entire like wedding journey on their bank, <laughs> right? But it wasn't, it wasn't like people didn't think of us they thought of us as a bank, but not as a traditional bank, not as some place that, you know, hopes and dreams and ideas go to die. Uh, it was like, hey, this is like a, you know, this is like my experience with a with a fun, cool app that helps us, uh, that helps me achieve what I want to do in life, right? And, uh, and, and so people used us that way. And it is that sort of the, 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 the tools are really, really powerful and helpful uh, for a lot of people. We, we see the flip side as well, which is like once people really become active, simple users, they almost never go away because it's kind of hard to then go back to Bank of America or Chase and be like, I don't know anything about my finances anymore. Um, so I think one of the big differentiators uh, and the key to our longevity was that we nobody really saw us as a PFM. A lot of people get frustrated, sign up for a PFM, start using mm-hmm. it, get some insights, have an aha moment. 
then, you know, life catches up with them and it becomes hard to keep that discipline. And then they realize that they haven't logged into Mint or whatever for like six months now, right? That rarely happens with simple, at least not in that way. A lot of people just fail to switch their bank accounts and and sort of switch their paychecks and and all their bills and everything else over. Uh, But once they do, they never go away. Uh, because you know that's that's where your paycheck comes in. That's where you're going to be logging in to see how much money you have, and then you'll discover the goals feature and the expenses and the joint accounts and the safe to spend and everything else. And and you kind of just like over time just begin to use all of it. And then you're like, how did I live without this? So how do you encourage people to, to overcome that? Because I was I was going to ask you, you know, what the hardest part of running Simple is and or was, as I should say. And I. My instinct is that it is to get people to engage with it fully, so to get them to make sure their paycheck comes in, that their their bank, their bills go out, that it's not just kind of their discretionary spending; it's their savings and everything else. Is is that the hardest problem to overcome? And and, and if it is, how do you do that? Or or is there something else that that's even more tricky for you know uh, banks in this space? The hardest thing about running simple was always managing. In a, in a sort of a broad uh, sort of category of, of like uh, regulation and compliance. And what that really boiled down to was our relationship with our bank partners, uh, initially, uh, you know, Bancorp and then uh, eventually BBVA after the acquisition. And, and, it's, and it's, not, it's not a knock on Bancorp or on BBVA. Both of them are, are you know, very good banks at, at what they do, but they live in a certain regulatory box and that's how they've always succeeded and that they have a huge amount of regulatory pressures and it's very hard for them to kind of uh, to get outside that, right? And, and I don't think the regulators have been very encouraging in the last decade. Um, they've gotten more encouraging, I think, in the last few years. They've kind of warmed to the idea of fintech innovation being a good thing. Uh, right after the financial crisis, there was a, there was this kind of um, belief that all financial innovation was a bad thing, and that um, the, the, the you know the, the best model of banking was 1950s style community banking. So that, I think that has died, and at least most of the regulators now acknowledge that banking innovation flowing out of San Francisco might be a different thing from banking innovation flowing out of Wall Street, for example. Um, and even Wall Street, like, has is kind of adopting the the fintech innovation that started back in the uh, you know 2008 2009 era but the just managing that was was always the hardest right like we always wanted to do 200 things and were able to maybe do two in the course of a year and uh, it's not because writing the code is hard it's because writing the code is 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 not that tricky but then making it comply with the, the laws that were written in the 70s or 80s and, and then getting a bank compliance person to sign off on that is, is, is super hard. The, the second hardest thing after sort of all of that was always to, uh, to figure out how to get customers to switch their bank accounts over. And uh, and, and the real thing that it come, came down to and always does come down to is getting them to switch their uh, paycheck over, right? You can get the direct deposit to be or a substantial chunk of it to be uh, to be deposited into the uh, into one bank account that becomes the primary bank account and that then gets all the usage right like you will end up moving all your bills to that uh, account as well and then you will end up sort of playing around with it and discovering the goals and discovering everything else 
and we made that journey as easy as possible uh, but it it there is, there is no sort of automated bank account switching capability in the US there's no way to automatically switch your uh, paycheck and you have to go to your employer and, and file paperwork with them and and you know we can we can make that process as easy as possible we can give you an automated form that you can download in PDF and, and hand to your employer but you still have to hand it to them we can't send it to them for you so that kind of always limited kind of how much you know we measured it as activation right like how many of our customers got active which really meant that they switched over um and we and we, we got better at it over time and and sort of slowly you know it, it, there's no there's no at least we haven't at least not that i know of simple has never found a, a magic bullet you do this and you know 90% of customers uh, switch their paychecks no it, it's like you 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 tweak this, you tweak that, you put in different wording here, you make that uh, form easier to find, you tweak that wording on the form and, and and just make like, you know, hundreds of improvements which help that additional customer here and that additional customer there and and uh, and kind of grease the path as much as possible, really, so that people uh, switch that paycheck over. And then after that, it's, you know, it's the, the most of the rest of the product just follows from that. Because once people start using you as your core transactional account, then they, they, it's just, you know, some people do it in like a week, some people take like six months, but everybody will start discovering all the feature, other features and begin to use them. I think uh, the some of certainly some of the challenger banks or neo banks we have in the UK will be pleased to hear there is no magic bullet because I know that uh, they have been struggling with that exact same issue themselves. Um, and my sort of coming towards the end of our chat, uh, one question I'd like to ask you is kind of what are you proudest of when when you look back at you know all the years you were so heavily involved in simple and even now what, what was your, your proudest achievement there there's two and i think like as a company overall i think what, what me and josh and then the whole founding team and, and everybody at simple is proudest of is the impact it's had on people's lives uh as i said there's there's so many stories and so many people uh, who who many of them publicly tweeted sort of about or, or Facebooked or Instagrammed about like how simple it allowed them to do things that they always wanted to do, but never were able to, whether that was go on a vacation, whether that was get married, whether that was pay off student debt, for example. And and to see, you know, you, you, you have an idea about like, hey, this wouldn't this be helpful to a lot of people if we built some way of doing specialized savings accounts and see that transformed into goals and then see... I think we had like over 30% of the deposits at Simple were held in goals, uh, at least while I was there. I think it's actually gone up since then. And and to see that sort of a thing happening and realize that, hey, in a, in a demographic which usually has like a, a negative savings rate, you're actually allowing people to save money. You know, so that sort of an impact, I think, is, is the most uh, transformational thing that I've ever been a part of. And I think that's the thing that as a company we're most we're the proudest of personally me i'm proudest of the fact that we managed to get it launched it was you know those those initial two and a half years of just figuring out how to like get a bank to sign a deal with us get a processor to uh, sign a deal with us connect the bank to the processor and then do it in a way that actually allowed our team of engineers and, and product people and everybody to kind of build the simple experience on top of that was really complicated and hard and 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 kludgy because you know the 
back then, there was no such thing as an API platform in finance. And even now, there's almost none. Um, so we, we kind of had to figure out how to do that. And, and that was a large part of my job for the first two, three years. And um, and yeah, this, the, just getting that all in place so that we could launch to, I think even in the first cust- uh, first month that we launched Simple, we had like seven or 8,000 customers sign up and that almost broke uh, Bancorp systems. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so that you know that that itself was was, was at least my proudest uh, achievement. Perfect. And um, what are you what are you up to now? Because you've obviously sort of moved away from being so heavily involved in Simple. What 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 is what are you doing right now? And kind of what's next on the horizon for you? Well, I've spent the last few years working on building API platforms in finance. Uh, the, after the acquisition, I heard about this uh, idea at BBVA of building an an API platform. And I was just like, yes, please do it. Somebody needs to do it. And BBVA has the best vision and, and, and the and sort of the best leadership to be able to, to do it. But please do it right. Don't fuck it up. And the, the, the person I was talking to back then was like, oh, well, I, I don't know anything about it. You should go talk to, to Carlos, uh, who's the CEO now. And I did. And I realized after talking to a bunch of people that there was a, there was was it was mostly just an idea. Nobody had actually figured out what it even meant really so i wrote a document saying please do this and please don't do this eventually an internal ventures team was spun up they asked me to um be an advisor and a year later i was running it right um and we did we did build and launch an api platform in spain and an api platform in the us which are really uh quite separate things because you know spain and the us are, are very very different countries and also sort of financial economies at least to me it never felt like i quite got it where i wanted it to be because we, we it was still within the sort of the confines of a big bank and and bbva is an amazingly forward thinking bank but it's still uh, you know it, it, it still has all the constraints of a of a traditional bank and, and those don't just vanish overnight so I left BBVA at the end of last year and spent some time trying to figure out uh, what to do and, and started looking at the cryptocurrency space. Um, and really, my new startup, Scylla, is about building an API platform and really a developer tool set to help crypto and fintech developers build apps. And that's what I'm working on right now. Perfect. Um, well, thank you so much for your time, Shamir. That's been super interesting. And, and it's really, really lovely to hear, uh, you know, an origin story that goes all the way through to a success story. Is there uh, somewhere people can um, find out more about your new project? Uh, you know, do you have a Twitter handle that you'd like us to share? Anything like that? Sillamani.com. Uh, that's our uh, website. Uh, that's actually uh, going live in the middle of September, so you, uh, it should be uh, it should be accessible. And uh, you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm uh, Shamir underscore K. Yeah, we have a Twitter handle as well. Sillamani. Uh, S I L A M O N E Y. Perfect. Do remember to join in the discussion in fintechinsidernews.com or tweet us at fintechinsiders. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode and to really make our weeks, please leave us a review. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.